the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Every appetite is wrong. Not everything you look at is wrong. Not every amount of pride is wrong. We know this. How can you tell the difference when it slips into lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Here's how we can tell the difference. There's something unique about human creation. We talked about it back in Genesis 1 that God has given us. It tells us that we were all created in His image and in His likeness, in God's image and in God's likeness. One of the things that God has given us as a part of being created in His image and in His likeness is a conscience. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Genesis. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching series through the book of Genesis, he'll be encouraging us to be led by the Holy Spirit instead of being legalistic. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit that lives within you. You now have the ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong. Not only can you discern between right and wrong, but you actually have the power to say no to sin. Every human being has been given a conscience by God, but only the child of God can walk the path of holiness. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part one of today's message entitled, Don't Eat That. First John 2.16 basically tells us this, that there are three gateways to sin in our lives. First John 2.16, it's either the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, or a combination of all three. Uh, let me throw the verse up for you. In the King James Version, 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Really what this passage tells us is that all sin finds its way into our hearts through three main portals. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, or a combination of those. And we see this illustrated when Eve sins. It's here in chapter 3, verse 6. I'm also going to throw the verse up on the screen because I want to insert those elements of 1 John 2.16 into the passage. And this is how it reads. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, there's lust of the flesh, and pleasing to the eye, there's lust of the eyes, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, that's the pride of life, she took some and ate it. She did the one thing that God commanded that they not do. 
And thus sin enters the human race, and all have sinned because our parents sinned, Adam and Eve. Satan appeals to the basic human nature of appetite, eyes, and pride. Appetite, eyes, and pride. That's what he's still working on today, by the way. Appetite, eyes, and pride. Now, let's define this. Let's make sure we understand what we're talking about. Because we're talking lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So we have to understand lust of the flesh. Is every appetite wrong? Lust of the eyes. Is everything you look at wrong? Pride of life. Is every aspect of pride wrong? No. Clearly. Let's start with the first one, lust of the flesh. Is all appetite wrong? Of course not. God's given us certain appetites, right? He gave us, the exam- for example, the appetite of food. We kind of need an appetite for food in order to survive. It's a God-given thing. Food, the appetite for food, is not sin. Although, if we try to satisfy that appetite to a great extent and it leads to gluttony, then it can be wrong. What about the appetite for sex? God's given us the appetite for sex. Is sex wrong? I hope not. I got three kids. I know some of you are thinking, you're a pastor. What do you even know about that subject? But anyway, listen. God's, God's given us the appetite for sex. The deal is he's given us a gift to be enjoyed within marriage. And then he says outside of marriage, well, now, now it's wrong. Now it is lust of the flesh. Well, what about the lust of the eyes? I mean, is everything we look at wrong? Of course not. God's given us eyes to behold the beauty and the wonder of creation. And looking at things is not wrong at all. But there are some things we should not look at. It's the reason why Job in Job 31.1 said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. There's some things we should not look at. That would be lust of the eye. What about the pride of life? Is it wrong to be proud of your kids when they score a goal or they hit a home run? Is it wrong to be proud of your husband, to be proud of your wife? Is it wrong to be proud of your work, a job well done? No. Those things in and of themselves are not wrong. But pride can cross a line and become haughtiness and arrogance and self-righteousness. So then the issue is, if not every appetite is wrong, not everything you look at is wrong, not every amount of pride is wrong, we know this, how can you tell the difference when it slips into lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Here's how we can tell the difference. There's something unique about human creation. We talked about it back in Genesis 1 that God has given us. It tells us that we were all created in His image and in His likeness in God's image and in God's likeness. One of the things that God has given us as a part of being created in His image and in His likeness is a conscience. God's given us a conscience. God has given us the capacity with His God-given internal compass to have a moral awareness of what is right and what is wrong. And the Bible talks extensively about conscience. In fact, it's a good word study sometime if you really like to dig out stuff from Scripture. Go home and do a word study just on the word conscience, just even just start in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it talks about and it commands a good conscience. It talks about and the Bible commands a clear conscience. Paul even said in uh, Acts chapter uh, 24, 16, he says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So a good conscience is good. A clear conscience is good. The Bible warns about having a, a weak conscience. We should be sensitive towards people who have a weak conscience. The Bible also warns about having a guilty conscience. And the worst of all, the Bible talks about, is having a seared conscience. That's when we do things repetitively that we know are wrong in spite of the fact that our conscience tells us this is wrong, don't do it. We do it over and over and over again. What tends to happen then in that case is we become numb. We become kind of immune to that convicting voice. And so our conscience then is seared. 
the issue of conscience that God has created man with is really what has prevented humanity from annihilating itself. You ever stopped and think, thought about it? I mean, sincerely. What has been the restraint on man's evil behavior? What's the restraint? The restraint is that God has created all people. Now, hear me. I'm not just talking Christians. We're all created. Humanity's created in his image and in his likeness. We're all given this moral compass. It's a God-given perspective about right and wrong. There's this intuitive thing that rises up within us in every person. Oh, this is right. Oh, this is wrong. Problem is, some people become sociopathic because of things that happen to them. Their conscience gets completely distorted, and they disregard it. Or even the best of us who have a good conscience and a conscience that convicts can sometimes disregard that. And it's, it's that internal mechanism going, uh, this is not really right, and we can disregard it. It's the reason why there are laws and jails and police officers for people whose conscience is not working properly. You can turn on the news on any given night, and you can see tragedy that happens to people because someone's conscience is being disregarded. You can look back in human history and you can see evil regimes that have risen to power because of Satan's influence and the disregard of moral conscience. Fortunately, when we look back in human history so far, enough other nations have gotten together, they have bound together, and they, because of good conscience, can spot and recognize this is an evil thing going on, and so they put down evil regimes. But if it weren't for this God-given conscience working... Uh, mankind would have annihilated himself by now, and so we need to understand that the importance of conscience is what God has given us to um, know what is right and to know what is wrong and to do what is right and to avoid what is wrong. That's what God has given us. Now, when you get saved, you get a name to your conscience. When you trust Christ as your Savior, the name of your conscience now is Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit now... You see, the Holy Spirit gives you a heightened awareness of what is right and what is wrong that you may not have really seen before to the degree that you do now. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to resist what is wrong and to say yes to what is right. So it's that added benefit that you get from knowing Christ in regards to your conscience, Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit can work to a greater capacity now. What happened here with Eve is that she ignored her conscience. She ignored that God-given moral compass that she was created with in his image and in his likeness. And she did the one thing that God said, don't do. Now, we understand this. As Christians, we get the fact. Sometimes you will have greater resolve to do what is right and to resist what is wrong. But then there will be other times that you, like Eve, will find your intellect wrestles with your conscience. And you will try to reason with yourself, and you will try to rationalize behavior that you contemplate, you know is wrong, but you'll begin with your intellect to wrestle with your conscience, and what happens is, instinctively, we begin then to rationalize, justify, we begin to think, well, nobody really sees, nobody should care, this won't affect anybody, and then we have that wrestling match between intellect and conscience, and it is during those times, please hear me on this, it is during those times when your conscience wrestles with your intellect that you must simply fall back on the fact that sometimes God says it is wrong and therefore it is wrong because he says so. Just simply and entirely because God says so. Why, why shouldn't we do this, God? Because he says so in his word. Now, do you remember as teenagers and your parents would use that? And it bugged you, right? 
You would say to your mom or dad, hey, can I go to this? Can I go to this place? No, you can't. Why? Because I said so. And then you'd ask again. You'd press again. Well, please, you know, why can't everybody else is going here? Everybody else is doing this. Why can't I go? Because I said so. And then they throw this one. Did you love this one? End of conversation. And that's kind of the seal the deal thing. It's just like, it's like, because I said so, you're still not getting it. End of conversation, right? Now, I remember as a teenager, and I remember being at, uh, I, it, was, it was like a Christian, it was, it was something, uh, certainly Christian in nature. It was like a retreat. It was like camp. I don't remember exactly where I was. But I remember being in a room full of other teenagers, a lot of people there, and there was this 20-something guy who was speaking. And I remember him talking about this whole idea of parents and telling kids that you can't do something because I said so. And I remember him saying, he said, you know, I, I honestly don't believe, this is what he said, I honestly don't believe that that is a legitimate response. He says, I, I just don't think that it's fair for parents to say to you teenagers, because I said so. He said, you know, biblically, I really believe that we as parents have a responsibility to explain things to our kids, to help them to understand the whys behind why we say what we do, and to just kind of lovingly help them to understand all this. And I remember sitting there as a teenager going, yeah, (laughs) right on, power to the peeps, you know, and I was just sitting there going, well, when I was, okay, that saying wasn't around when I was a teenager, but I was, but I was just, I was, I was with it, you know, I, I latched onto that thing, I thought, this is right, until I became a parent. And then when I became a parent, I realized that is the stupidest advice anybody could give a teenager or a parent. That's the stupidest thing. Now, here's why. Here's why. And I, and I hate to, I, I know some of you are young and you're just thinking, oh, no, really? Yeah, because here's the reason. Here's the reason why. I didn't get this when I was your age. So just, you know, kind of go with me on this. There's just a small likelihood that you just may not quite know as much as your mom and dad. I know that's just like a novel idea, but, but the reality is that they might just have a skosh more wisdom and life experience and perspective in what they do and what they say. And that sometimes when they say, because I said so, that's just it. That's just it. Because likewise, us and God, us and God, sometimes... We just need to obey God because he said so. Since when is the creator of the universe obligated to explain the whys of all his commands? Since when? And I got to tell you something. As I, you know, was kind of in my mind doing kind of a cursory overview of scripture in general, I couldn't think of a time. Maybe you can. You can tell me later. I'm sure you will. Maybe... um, (laughs) Maybe you think of something. I couldn't think of a time when God actually explained the nuances behind his commands. Here's what he does. Here's what he does in Scripture. He gives a command, and then he attaches either a blessing for obeying the command, or he attaches a consequence for disobeying the command, or both. I just don't see where he's obligated to explain himself. In fact, as it relates to our story here, go back to chapter 2. We're going to look at again the command that God gave in relation to all of this story. Back in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Let's look at it again. Chapter 2, 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So he gives a command and he gives a consequence. And you don't see Adam standing here going, well, why? why? Why can't I eat from that tree, God? Why can't I, huh? Why can't I, huh? Why can't... Stop that. 
That's exactly why he doesn't explain it. Now, <laughs> we do this to God all the time. I don't want you to sleep with your girlfriend. Why? That seems so unfair. That's wrong. I love her. No, you lost her. You don't love her. And God is not obligated to explain every nuance. Why? In the same way. He knows. He knows we just don't have the capacity to necessarily understand. We don't have the wisdom and the life experience. We don't have the perspective that God has about all things. So he is not obligated to explain the whys of his commands. Sometimes we have to just obey because God says so. Because God says so. And when Eve's intellect was wrestling with her conscience in that moment, she should have said to the serpent, no, because God said so. I may not understand it, I may not appreciate it, I may not get it, but God said so, so no. That's what she should have said. Now, the tragedy in this, in this story, among several tragedies, is that Adam was derelict in his duty. He was derelict in his duty. He willfully refused to be the spiritual leader of his home. He willfully refused to be the spiritual leader of his home. And I use that military term intentionally, dereliction of duty, because this is a war, men. This is a war that we're in. We need to realize this is a war of light and darkness. This is a war of good and evil. This is a war of life and death. And we need to rise up as courageous, masculine, godly, spiritual leaders of our home Adam didn't do it. Adam did not do it. He stood idly by and did nothing. How do we know? Look back here, chapter 3 again, verse 6. Last part of verse 6. It says, She, that is Eve, also gave to her husband, who was with her, underline that, and he ate it. He was standing right there. The Bible tells us through that verse. Adam stood idly by instead of stepping in to defend his wife and defend the honor of God's word. He stood idly by. Now, the Puritans had a saying that really is not accurate. The old Puritans had a saying that went like this. When Adam was away, Eve went astray. That's just not true. Adam wasn't away. He was right there. That's how it went down. He was there. He wasn't away. And he watched Satan come. He watched Satan attack the truth, the veracity, the credibility of God's word. He watched Satan deceive the woman that he loved. He watched his wife step up into a leadership role because he wasn't. He watched his wife eat the fruit while he did nothing. It's a problem. Listen, this is not what happened. This is what happens. A lot of men are very irresponsible in our culture. They don't step up and take responsibility for their family. They don't step up and take responsibility for their own spiritual lives and for the spiritual lives of those in their home. They don't defend the truth of God's word. They don't defend their wives. They don't defend their kids. We have a lot of people, a lot of men who are unfortunately very irresponsible in our culture. May it not be said of us. Amen? But what happened here is he was just irresponsible. What he should have said at this moment what he should have said was, serpent, I don't know who you are and I don't know where you came from, but you will not malign the truth of God's word. You will not deceive my wife. 
You will not distort what God said. I have dominion over you. It's time for you to go now. That's what he should have said. That's what he should have said. And when he didn't do that, when he didn't do that, what Eve should have done was she should have cried out to God. She should have appealed to her husband's authority. She should have cried out to God and she should have said, God, my husband is not defending the truth of your word. He is not leading our family. He is not fighting the serpent. He is not protecting our home. She's not crying out to God. Instead, what happens is the root of feminism steps forward right here. That's what happens. Now, some of you might push back and say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. She was only stepping up because he wouldn't step in. That's what happened. Well, you know, some people think that there are three options as it relates to the family. Some people think either the man leads the home or the woman leads the home or Satan leads the home. That's what some people think. I don't see those three options when I look at Genesis 3. What I see are just two options. Either the man leads his family or Satan leads the family. That's what this chapter is telling us. Either the man leads the family or Satan will lead the family. Why do you think Satan went after the woman? Why do you think he went after the wife? I'll tell you the reason he went after the wife. He went after the wife because it was part of Satan's crafty plan to subvert and invert God's order in the family. And it is still God's, uh, rather Satan's plan today. He wants to subvert the family. He wants to invert the order that God has prescribed for the family unit. It is still Satan's plan today. What he's thinking is, if I can somehow invert the authority of the family, if I can crush the order of marriage, if I can cause men to be silent, passive cowards who sit idly by while their family is destroyed, and if I can cause women then to step up into a spiritual role of leadership in the family and to invert the role, then great. That's what Satan is thinking. Because he knows if he can destroy the family and the order of God's family, the rest of culture will follow. And that's what he's still after today. We have to be aware of his schemes. We have to see what he's trying to do here. And we have to see, man, listen, all of us are Adam. Women, all of you are Eve. You have to realize how the propensity to still go down the same path is alive and well today because we've inherited the sin nature of Adam and Eve. Now, this is how it goes down. Notice what happens. Verses 7 and 8. After they ate of the fruit, they sinned and they rebelled against God. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Is this not the silliest thing you ever read? I mean, seriously, they, they seriously think that they're going to be able to crouch down behind a tree and hide from the creator, the all-seeing, all-knowing creator of the universe. We'll just hide from behind this little tree. <laughs> your kids ever do that when your kids are in trouble? Do they ever just kind of do this? Because they think that then they're invisible. They close their eyes or they cover their face. People do this today. It's, human nature is still about fig leaves and trees. It's still what it's about. It's like hiding. You know, we don't want, so we, we know we're doing wrong. So, so uh, for the first time now, they're under conviction. You know, there's nothing wrong per se with their nakedness. What happens is they've experienced conviction for the very first time. And when they get under conviction, they become vulnerable. They feel this, they feel this exposure. Because sin has a way of just making us feel very exposed, doesn't it? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm preaching to the right crowd, right? Everybody knows. You sin, you do something you know is wrong, you feel very exposed. Oh! 
Speaking through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord said, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. What is this cornerstone? Or better yet, who is this cornerstone? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is that cornerstone. And it's our desire to honor and glorify Jesus through the teachings that you hear each day on Cornerstone Connection. Cornerstone Connection is the teaching ministry of Pastor Gary Hemrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. You can get a free downloadable copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. It's our hope that you're attending a local church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If you don't currently have a church home and live in the Northern Virginia area, we encourage you to join us in person for worship. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Please join us next time as we continue through the book of Genesis. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.